0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to the Doctor Who Series 3 Recap, Greatest Monsters of Them All. For this bonus episode, we're talking about our favorite episodes from Series 3 of Doctor Who.
0: We'll also be looking at some of the broader themes and character developments over the course of the second series. We recommend that you finish watching the full series before listening to this episode. Okay, so... I get to choose my favorite first and I went ahead and stole the Moffat episode this time around.
1: (laughs) We're just going to trade off.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. seems like it's going to be that case. Um, So of course we're talking about blink. Um, And uh, yeah, no, I just like it. I know this is um, one that a lot of people like, so I suppose maybe I'm following the crowd, but um, a little bit, here on this one uh but yeah it's a good episode there's a reason why it seems like a lot of people like it um, yes yes definitely. As, a, as opposed to my choice from the last series where um apparently it was a little more controversial yeah to to like uh you know um love and monsters
1: yeah no this so, is more this is the the, the the popular favorite but often that is not without reason and popularity doesn't necessarily you know mean uh that it's not perfectly deserving of its popularity so
0: sure sure well i i do like it so um i think i mean obviously we already talked about so just sort of the things that i like is is one i similar to my like for love and monsters i i just like it because it is a bit different Mm -hmm. the the story itself um structure wise not not quite as different as like love and monsters is but like you know the fact just that we're not following the doctor and martha um but we're following sally sparrow Mm -hmm. and and kind of her journey to figure out what's going on and her journey is linear and it's the people around her who have nonlinear journeys this time,
1: yeah,
0: um so and and the way that we're presented again is with Sally's versus like you know again versus with like Elton, where um you know we get his story kind of we start in media res and then you know go back and forth and kind of get his story piecemeal and 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 in different snippets um this time we sort of see Sally working it out and figuring out and sort of the confusion that follows the uh, fluctuations of the timey-wimey nature of, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that's happening around her, um, even though she's experiencing it in one direction. So, um, and then, you know, the monsters are cool, you know, just the, the idea of these monsters that, if you're looking at them, they're not really monstrous, right? Because they're just inert; they're they can't do anything. Yeah. It's when you, it's when they're out of view that you have to worry about them and be aware of them, <laughs> but you can't be because they're out of view. You know what I mean? So like, it's just that that whole idea that um, there's something going on just, uh, going on just sort of out of out of the way, out of sight, just you know, beyond your perception. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you turn your back or blink or whatever, uh, you know, there's there's some issues there.
1: Yeah, I um I don't know if we talked about this in our discussion of it, but it is another one of those um things which Doctor Who does and Stephen Moffat in particular really does well is uh making the domestic terrifying that something so you know innocuous and and benign, you know, statues in a graveyard or in someone's garden or on a building, making that an object. You know, mm-hmm. like, now, you really, you know, once you see this episode, when you, you know, go out in your own world and see statues,
0: right, you know,
1: you, you can't help but think to yourself, don't blink, you know? And so right. its ability to sort of do that with the sort of... uh. Everyday world, um,
0: yeah. and and even, I mean, not just benign things, but but things that are ostensibly created for good purpose. So right. you have like statues that are like celebrating people, or yeah. you know, like even like the angels in like a graveyard or something, yeah, you know, representing some sort of faith or belief in a higher being or something, or um, right, or even that even they're, like the, that
1: they're beautiful to look at. Right. Well,
0: and I was, and I was going to say like even, or even like ones that are grotesque on, you know, like gargoyles or something, or even ostensibly like for protection, you know what I mean? Like, like the idea sort of behind them is, is nonetheless, uh, you know, more so than just benign, they're actually benevolent, you know, and, 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 but not in Doctor Who. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. It's, it's, it's quite the opposite, in fact, and, and you know these things that people have created all over now become a sort of excuse uh, for whatever these alien creatures uh are to actually come in and, and yeah feed off of the potential energy and and such so um yeah no i think overall a really well done episode um and and you know there's moments of of just i could certainly see my nine-year-old daughter being very like, ah, you know, <laughs> when, uh, like they're yeah. in the basement and the lights are flickering and yeah. with each, each time the light turns on that the angel is closer and has a yeah scarier face. Uh, and all of that. Has she, um, has
1: she seen it yet or that's, you're not that far yet.
0: She has not seen this one yet. I think, um, I think she's right at the beginning of series two at this point. And it's hard because like they watch stuff when they're with their mom and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I know my older daughter has seen further along than I have actually. So (laughs) I have to keep reminding her, like, I'm not telling her not to spoil you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, my younger daughter, I don't think has watched as much. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, with the ideas of, um, seeing the different, nonlinear nature of how things work out are really cool too but also um w- one thing that i sort of and i don't think we talked about this when we're talking about the episode but like i mean it it has a sort of you know very very happy ending right even though um you know there's there is that scene in the basement but uh yeah of course they're able to Get in the TARDIS, and even when you they think, oh my gosh, the TARDIS is disappearing yeah. <laughs> from around us and we're being left behind, it's actually for a purpose. It's yeah. it's to have the angels, you know, focusing on them. But as soon as the TARDIS is gone, then they mm-hmm. they get frozen in their spots where they are. So I like that, but I also like the fact that like all of the victims mm. of the angels end up living out a happy life like yeah. you get the first um catherine nightingale
1: Uh-huh.
0: wait was that her name right yeah kathy kathy, kathy, kathy yeah. nightingale um you know she goes back in time and obviously that's a very traumatic thing initially right she goes back to 1920 but then meets her husband and has a very good and full life she says um in her letter that that you know she sends to sally much later um the the cop uh crap i forget his name uh uh, billy 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 chipton right uh he goes back and Mm. and talks you know he talks about uh you know sort of the he didn't become a cop again he went into making books and movies and dvds eventually and you know but it seems like these these things that should be traumatic should be problematic and probably were for some time for these victims actually turned out to be okay. Mm. Like they, and not only okay, but they turned out to be good things. And that's, you know, um, not typical of, of, of victimized persons in, in doctor who, or, or, I mean, that's what it means to be a victim, right? yeah, not that things work out well for you, but, but all of these um, people do actually, in spite of being victims, uh, end up having sort of these full, rich lives that, um, you know, part of which is then to help Sally end up finding her own sort of satisfaction mm. in life, too. Yeah. Uh, and and to a lesser extent, um, just and by virtue of being with Sally, uh, Larry as well. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Nightingale. (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) So
1: it's interesting that you bring that up and I want to put a pin in that for later because we've now seen three, uh, four episodes, but three Stephen Moffat stories. Right. So, um, Mm. you know, eventually we know, you know, maybe you don't know quite when, but at some point you know that he is going to take over from Russell Davies, the yeah. direction of the show. So right. I think that's an interesting... I really... It, I think it's really... I mean, people tend to pit them one against the other. I don't enjoy that so much, but I do enjoy looking at them side by side and looking at, you know, ways in which they do, do things similar, similarly or differently. I think that's a really...
0: You you mean Davies and Moffat?
1: Davies and Moffat, like as writers. Um,
0: Sorry, I just I clarify that because I thought you were talking about Moffat episodes, putting them side by side. Gotcha.
1: No, no, no. Before I I realized you were talking about the two different. um, So, I think an interesting kind of trend to notice um, that we can look at in the future is, you know, okay, so we've seen three Moffat stories now. um, I think. Davies said this to Moffat at some point, like, noted the fact that Moffat does tend to end with these happy endings, you know, which, Mm -hmm. with his reputation as the one who writes the scary episodes, right, like, with the empty child, and now with Blink, um, you wouldn't necessarily think that, but, um, you know, now, with the exception of Madame de Pompadour, um, but as Davies, I think, pointed out, that was an assignment he gave to Moffat, like, I think mm. he said to Moffat, like, you know, you never really kill anybody and Moffat said, Well, I killed Madame de Pompadour and Davy said, Yeah, but I gave her to did, to you dead. Like she was already dead when I gave her to you, you know. Well you and that's even... a
0: historical figure. And it's a
1: historical figure, but you know, so you know, that of the three, that's sort of the exception. But when you look at this is very similar, I think, to the empty child, with very gothic, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the scariest ones that in some ways, the darkest ones, the most unsettling, but also with these kind of happy endings, which, you know, in some ways, I think maybe Davies is almost the opposite, that, you know, people sometimes act like, you know, and Davies is, you know, in some ways, a more, a less of an ideas writer, more of an emotional writer, that he's, you know, people, I think, see him as kind of the one who's writing about, you know the doctor and rose and or martha's unrequited love like these kind of emotional lovely sure. things but sure. then you get you know from him you get some of the bleakest stories like you know look at the futures he gives humanity in gridlock or in utopia you know mm. uh, or you get you know you get the master coming back only to have him killed you know as soon as whatever so in some ways, I think they're almost the inversion of each other, you know, whereas Davies might seem superficially to be, you know, more of a kind of happy ending kind of guy. Actually, of the, you know, of the episodes we've seen, that might not be true. Now, I do acknowledge that we've only seen a few Moffat episodes, so we'll have more. Sure. We'll have more data to add to it when we get further, but... Um, I think it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because between you know the empty child with the kind of everybody lives everybody you know I mean now everyone (laughs) doesn't live in blink you know we see several characters die but as you say it's after long happy fruitful lives they die of natural causes you know in old age you know it's hardly a tragic ending for those characters
0: and there you know there that's not to say there isn't a sadness to it because. Yeah, absolutely. they may have also had you know full, rich, happy lives had they stayed. Yeah, you know, as friends with Sally or yeah. more potentially. You know, Billy seemed to be on his way to. She even says, yeah. you know, Sally Shipton." Oh wait, yeah. no, I mean yeah, Sally yeah. Sparrow. <laughs> like, you know, there, there's. So there is a certain sadness of something having been lost, but you don't know what that is. Maybe that wouldn't have been the case. Maybe yeah. her and Kathy would have had a falling out and. Stop being best friends at some point. Maybe, you know, her and Billy Shipton would have gotten married and then been divorced and hated each other. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's, there's various potentials there too. And I think that's one of the interesting things in a story about time is you just have to sort of say, yeah, it does suck that she didn't get those opportunities. But then also at the end, you see her and Larry getting together. So there's the there are sense different opportunities, that, yeah. That yeah. right, that there's still an ability to sort of make the most out of what comes along, and um, and actually, and and it's funny because now I'm thinking, you know, again comparing, you know, back to Love and Monsters, which was my favorite mm-hmm. episode last season, and yeah. I don't know, maybe this is saying more about my own psychology than <laughs> anything in the stories themselves. Yeah. But like. That seemed to have, and and obviously that was not a Moffat story. That was a Davies story, but right, right. but it had a very similar type of, if you can ignore the fact that um, Ursula ends up with just a face and a piece of concrete,
1: uh-huh. um,
0: you, you know, there is a sort of a sense of you know Elton getting his. Uh, being able to get beyond the doctor and what you know the doctor is and and what he does and and sort of coming to grips with the issues surrounding himself which is similar to what sally does here like it you know it it, she she meets the doctor only to sort of be able to eventually get beyond Mm. what he is and what he does and and not that the doctor's a bad thing you know for either of them but it's you know again these sort of ripple effects that goes all the way back to series one i think Mm -hmm. it was you know with jackie or or maybe it was even series two where you know we have jackie saying what about the ones you left behind you know what 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 happened here oh no it was it was actually love and monster it was where (laughs) where where she's saying to elton you know what you, you know this is what happens and um, yeah you never really get to understand but you love the doctor anyway and so um anyway i think i think uh you know that's that's an interesting aspect of you know you know once again sort of exploring what goes on what happens near to the doctor mm-hmm. but um positively using that then to say okay now i'm ready to go on and and make something more Mm -hmm. beyond you know these things that happened that i had no control over but now have been able to survive and and surpass and 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 can build potentially a new life based on
1: yeah
0: you know something that she loves like old books and movies yeah Uh, um Well, Well, old books anyway for her, but (laughs) they are.
1: I mean, both stories, and maybe this is I don't know whether this is going to be true going forward, but those two stories really are both about kind of uh, fandom in a way, in the sense that, like, it's about people who come together over their love of the Doctor, and then make their lives more than that. You know, they go off and, you know, overcome the kind of Superficial obsession with it to then build a life, you know, but, Mm. you know, also, you like, you know, Elton with Linda and Sally and Larry coming together. The doctor is this sort of, you know, force which brings people of like mind together. And then you see them go off, you know, to build whatever life they're going to have. So... They are. They do have a lot. I mean, more than just the fact that they're Dr. Light. They do have a lot in common, sort of thematically. And it is interesting to look at the Davies version versus the Moffat version, you know. And yeah. how they have things in common, but how they do it slightly differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's my favorite episode of this season, Series 3. Uh-huh. Um, what is yours?
1: Well... Mine, uh, is the Human Nature and Family of Blood to parter mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, both Blink and the, this double episode are definitely in my, you know, uh, top five. I, you know, I don't have an official list, you know, probably changes with the weather, but, you know, they would easily make it into my top, you know, list of all-time greats. Um... And why do I feel that way? I think I tend, you know, it is sort of like, it is sort of like Dr. Light. Like, you wouldn't want it every week, but when you have it, it's something special kind of thing. Like, you do like the ones that do something a little unusual. And much as I love the doctor and much as I want him to be happy and be a hero and be the good guy who saves the day, which he does plenty... There is something always really intriguing about the stories where that is complicated. You know, where mm-hmm. he you know doesn't save the day or can't save the day or where his even saving of the day is called into question as to whether that's always you a know always a good whatever. thing yeah. or or even if it is a good thing showing the potentially you know you know negative repercussions of it, you know? Mm. Like, you wouldn't want the doctor to, you know, stop saving the day, but that doesn't mean that the things he does doesn't have consequences for, you know, the people involved, you know, intentional or not. So, I think that's why I'm kind of drawn to those stories, and this is definitely one of the premier examples of that, I think. Um, So, I you know, and i I really like you know, I find that stuff with John Smith you know very moving and what it does, what it has to say about human nature and that being you know whether human nature is about death or about heroism or self sacrifice, like calling it to question what is human nature, but even more so than that, what really gets me in these episodes is. The doctor at the end, you know, that it is sad what happens to John Smith, but what I find most poignant is when the doctor comes back and he's more alien and more remote because of the contrast to having seen him be human, you mm-hmm. know, and those scenes with Joan, you know, where they're not the kind of heightened emotional drama that we had previously. They're very quiet and they're very, you know, just that sense that he's there's that uncanny valley with him in those ep- in the in those scenes where he's almost human but he doesn't quite get it. You know, you just get that sense that he and Joan he's having to have her explain to him why she wouldn't just drop everything and, you know, as far as he's concerned, not that it hasn't been dramatic what he's been through, but he's ready for her to Act like mm. you know I'm basically the same. I'm gonna pick everything up and hop in the TARDIS and off we go. And right. she has to break it to him that it's not as simple as that. And him mm. trying to work out you know why that might be. So I think would I just wait he... like epi- because
0: would, uh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say which he has to do and we can talk about this yeah. you know in a little bit i mean he has to do that several times this series does, starting yeah. with donna yeah you know um he has to sort of go through that moment of oh oh you you don't want to come with me yeah. <laughs> like you know what why why not yeah why yeah. would you you not want to um so yeah sorry you know but yeah there is it, it 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 definitely is sort of that alien or and aliens maybe not even the right word but it's like that, it's like that awkward kid you know that you have to tell you know, um, sorry I I don't want to be your third wheel or or I don't mm-hmm. want you to be our third wheel or something yeah. you know what I mean like like there's just okay maybe you're okay to hang out with every now and then but seriously this is a little bit too much yeah you need to you know not be yeah here anymore kind of thing yeah yeah um and not that you want to be rude but you kind of put it bluntly <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um and there are a few of those moments in this
1: in this series series
0: yeah. so uh, yeah
1: and and also I, yeah. you know and i think what joan says about you know why she ultimately besides the fact that it you're not the same and it would be awkward like her other point about you know if if you hadn't come would anybody have died? I think hmm. that's a mm-hmm. really central moment, you know, for someone to say that to the doctor. And so, I especially
0: think, when he defines himself so much as the a hero, savior, yeah. as a doctor, yeah. you know, uh, uh, that's what a doctor does Yes, they help make things better. And yeah.
1: So, and I think that's something, and, and then again, that gets right picked up again at the end of the season, because, you know, I think, you know, Martha kind of has to point that out, that, you know, you're responsible for the mass. If you're responsible for the master, then because he locked his controls onto Earth, you're responsible for what happened to Earth. You know, that mm-hmm. there's a, there. he does save, you know, he does save people, but sometimes his, you know, he also causes them to need to be saved in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. uh, um, and
0: and we saw that with you know in the first season where, you know, they returned to Space Station Five. Yeah, yeah. And and yes, he in the long game he had saved, you know, from the editor and Simon Pegg, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything. But then yeah, created a vacuum. Yeah.
1: And he did that know. again with, you know, okay, he uh starts a rumor and gets Harriet Jones kicked out. And then right. there's the vacuum is... and the master steps right on into it. So right. I right, think.
0: Right. It's even more than just the locking on of the TARDIS. He yeah. actually created, not only did he give the master access to a specific point in time, he gave him access to a specific t- point in time in which, you know, authority could be yeah. easily taken over. Yeah. Um And, and, and it's like something that seems like it could have been foreseen, um, you know, cause the doctor's like, oh yes, he always was sort of a hypnotic personality, right? Mm-hmm. Like sort of acknowledging that, oh, if there's, if there's nobody strong enough to like go against him, mm-hmm. then he could very easily take over this spot to which I've made it possible for him to be the only spot to go to in time yeah. and space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So. so
1: I think it, I like this episode cause it brings up all of those Issues And even complicates, you know, what is the difference between the doctors? What is him even saving the day look like sometimes? Like, we, we're not even really sure in the end whether what he does to the family of blood, how you're supposed to feel about that. Like, are we supposed to be happy? Or are we supposed to be a little, you know, put off by how he deals with them? You know, what is the difference between his revenge or his justice or you know and and you're not even really quite sure so
0: and how just is eternal entrapment versus capital punishment right Right. like like i mean you you know we we sort of take at face value or i think are meant to take at face value the idea that he's being kind (laughs) you know um in a way, by not killing them. Yeah, I don't know, Um, though.
1: I don't know, though. I think we're meant to be... Well, and I mean, authorial intent. I Maybe I'm presumptuous to say what we're meant to think, but I think think there's definitely... I think it's definitely... um, There's an element that it would be kinder to just kill them. You know, or at least we're meant to have that question. That is the is the cold-blooded ruthless eternal punishment indicative of something you know kind of like kind of like we agreed again to talk about things which were set up back in the runaway bride um you know yeah. we agreed at the time that yes the doctor needed to stop the rachnos from taking over the earth that seems like a perfectly reasonable thing that he should do but there's that element of overkill there's that element of taking pleasure in his own, you know, triumph in that moment, and kind of the raining down of fire and ice and rage, in a way, you know, so Mm. I think, again, like, does he need to, you know, do something about the family of blood? Yes. Does he need to do this? Is there an element of going too far, of taking, you know, if not pleasure, then at least taking some sort of personal revenge in you know in the family you know so i think that's a questionable thing at this point so yeah yeah and then again uh, and, (laughs) and, and then again with the master you get those same sorts of questions of you know what should he do about the master should he be you know trying to save him rather than kill him should he be forgiving him rather than being more you know is you know and in that moment he is trying to be kind rather than ruthless but you know he puts humanity through a hell of a lot in you know trying to save the last of his
0: people you know understandable
1: on the one hand but also a little bit questionable i think
0: Right. And so, okay. And if we're sort of expanding beyond our favorite episodes now to talk about the, the series, which I think we are yes. to talk about the series as a whole, I, you know, I think, I think that's right. I mean, you can, like, you can criticize. it's hard because you can criticize on the one hand, the doctor, you know, yes, he caused the power vacuum, mm. right. By whispering the words, uh, about, uh,
1: yeah, don't, don't you think she looks
0: tired? Right, 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 right. You know, so yes, like, he, he set that ball in motion. But clearly, at that point, he had no idea even that there might be any Time Lords left. Yeah. Or if they were that, it was like, you know, one who was a former friend turned arch nemesis, yeah. you know, uh, kind of thing. So, like, you know, you you do sort of have to take that on it. Like, Martha Jones – or Martha Jones – um, Harriet, Harriet Jones, Jones. Uh, you know, MP was, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, clearly sort of growing behind her britches at that point. Yeah. And so, you, you know, he dealt with that in the way he knew how. But, you know, same thing with the master, though. Like, you can say, oh, you know, he locked it so that he could only go between these two times. But what else could he have done? Right, right. And And he even says all I had time to do was to sort of limit the damage. Right. You know, I mean, it's right. Like there's mitigating circumstances. It could have been way
1: worse if he hadn't done that.
0: Right. I mean, literally he could have gone anywhere in any time and who knows. I mean, he could have gone billions of years in the past or whatever Mm -hmm. and had a whole empire built before they even knew where he was or were able to do anything about it. So, you know, I mean, on the one hand, you, you can come to these sorts of well, you know it is the doctor's fault and and you know Joan's point is well taken if if the doctor had not come there, mm. would anyone there have died? That might be true, but that's true, no matter where the doctor would have gone and I, potentially yeah. jo- i mean yeah, 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 un, yeah. Un, unless he went you know unless he was like you know like hermit in an abandoned monastery, right, right. you no, know and like I think
1: that's what that's what makes this even more complicated than it already is because i don't think it's the doctor is never going to be an anti-hero he's never going to be someone who we mm-hmm. don't believe has good intention you know i'm not suggesting that he's you know someone who we shouldn't no. root for his decisions almost always come from good justifiable and selfless places
0: but and, and even but even, and even when he until, goes out well, of his way
1: to be the good guy, I, and I think this is what we need to look at in the future is there's this sense that no matter what he does, mm. there's all right. sorts of consequences, good and bad, you know, and right. so, right. I think and so it becomes
0: damage control, right? right. Versus uh, save saviorness, yeah, um, savior something, saving people. Um, Yeah, no. Well, and and I was going to say, like, even, and it's not even like, like, he's good intentioned, but incompetent either, right? So it's like, yes, his intentions are good. And he also does things that are highly intelligent. And, you know, especially for like the time being and technologically, you know, hard to do. Nobody else could do something like lock the TARDIS onto, you know, a specific point in time where it can only go. So, Mm -hmm. So it's not even like the solutions he comes up with are like bumbling or, you know, right, right. half-assed or something. Yeah. Like he he still, you know, comes up with these really good solutions. It's just that there's always going to be like another pebble to knock down the hill, you know, yeah. like – and that could start a whole new avalanche. And so, yeah, no, I mean it's it's difficult to see – you know again you you on the one hand, yes, you can criticize the doctor on on one level for causing certain things, but on the other you you always have to sort of ask what else could have been done yeah and and that's not to say that there it wasn't a better solution, but did he have the time, did he have the tools, did he have you know the the, the ability whatever, in that yeah. moment yeah. to to have done something better um and that's where it seems like some of the now you know we see moments where the doctor sort of has his like inner torture mm-hmm. right you know his like his inner brooding demon mm-hmm. you know sort of um you know come out a bit and and like clearly there are times where it seems like he at least thinks there might have been something more he could have done even and and i mean at this point we still don't know a terrible lot about the circumstances around the time war, you know, which continues to be something that haunts him from, well, time to time. Uh Um, (laughs) For lack of a better word. (laughs) I, I was halfway through that sentence before I realized it was a (laughs) pun, And I felt like it was better to just acknowledge and move on. Um, So, so yeah, like you get these, you get these moments where you have his, his, you know brooding uh, tortured soul or whatever but like you do have to just sort of move on Mm. and when you face the results of that you have to just make the best choices you can again and again and again and it becomes that you know which is interesting i guess because then it does become you know like we are noticing some of these patterns and and Not exactly the same scenarios, but, you know, similar sorts of things that do just sort of result in this fallout from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense. Like it's it in a in a story about time. It makes sense that the things you did in the past will affect the things that you do in the future. And the only thing you can do is to try to minimize Mm -hmm. how badly, (laughs) um, you know, that, that effect bears out. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. Um, But yeah, so, so, but that does seem to turn at least a few people off of Mm -hmm. wanting to join him as companions Um, as we noted. So I guess, I mean, I know the runaway bride was technically not, Part of series three, it was the special. Yeah, I think right? it's,
1: it's kind of broadly included in series three. It's
0: okay, sort of a pregnant, so yeah, I would um, include it. Because I mean, it's it's I like the bridge because episode. so
1: many so many themes are set up in that episode that you don't even realize mm-hmm. until later. Um.
0: Right. Well, and one of them being that you know we get someone who's not ready to just jump into the TARDIS with him. Yeah. <laughs> um And so that happens. Very clearly, obviously, in The Runaway Bride, it happens in at the end of Family of Blood with Joan. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I mean, obviously, Martha is a companion, but right.
1: But at the end of the choice, yeah.
0: Right. And and that's the that's the key. I mean, and I think that that's right. That's that distinguishes her from Rose, who has no choice. Mm. Rose can't go with the doctor any further. She would have totally kept going with the doctor. Yeah. but she can't. So, um, that, uh, but then also, it's not just Martha, it's Jack, too. <laughs> you know, like, so it's.
1: And don't forget you know, about the master, too. <laughs> a slightly different and, category, well, but still, same thing. There's a choice there. Yeah. I mean, and, and I know yeah, that I that's mean, different, but I think. And that was a choice these...
0: between death and imprisonment. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, a little bit different, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, it the master clearly is setting up, uh, you know, as he, he sets up his death as a rejection. Like we talk about that fact that it is a choice. He could have regenerated and been okay. Yeah. Um, and, and seemingly from what for time Lords is a fairly superficial wound. Mm. Um, right. The doctor even says it's only a bullet. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not like you have to die from this. And, and, and you're right. It definitely is a rejection of the doctor, um, and, and of what the doctor even stands for, because, you know, the master is saying I win, I've, mm-hmm. I've defeated you in some way by dying. And, and yeah. that's a very interesting sort of, uh, sort of thing. Um, also, uh, well, I don't know if it's, it's the doctor. Um, so uh, what Chanto mm. uh, refuses to leave her mm-hmm. master, you know, right. refuses to leave the master, and doesn't want to go off and and you know whatever. So like like there's also another sort of rejection. Although that's that conversation's with Martha, though, right? Um, it's not with the doctor. Right. When, um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember. It. Sorry, I didn't. I this is just sort of. I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what happens. Like, because Martha does Martha offer to take Chanto, or or it was I, I like think, you, I think it,
1: Professor Yana just alludes to the fact that she's not going to get on the rocket without him. So if he has to stay to set it off, then she's oh right, stay right, with right, him.
0: right. So it wasn't to go with the doctor. It was to go onto the rocket. Yeah, that's what it was. Right. Okay, so that's a little different. Never mind. So that doesn't quite fit. Um. But anyway, so uh, yeah, anyway, so you get Donna, you get Jack, you get Martha, you get in a slightly different sort of way, you get um the master mm. all rejecting him, which is in stark contrast to Rose's yeah unfettered never gonna leave acceptance yeah. even yeah. even going back to between seasons series one and two mm-hmm. yeah. where where the doctor changes mm-hmm. and and rose has to think about it for a minute like yeah and and then sort of comes to that conclusion that it's not the physical appearance of the doctor but who he is and what he stands for that's is what matters right yeah. so um you know definitely in stark contrast sort of having having to deal with all this rejection uh (laughs) oh (laughs) you know um yeah but at the same time all along he's also doing some rejecting yeah uh primarily of martha (laughs) yeah
1: yeah (laughs) which is what
0: causes her and it is
1: and it is complex because you can understand for him why it's painful for Martha to leave but you also perfectly understand that for her that's the absolute right thing to do you know Mm -hmm. Um, so you're in no way I don't think um, judging her or condemning her for doing that you know so it's you know it's difficult for him but absolutely I think um, you know and probably for all of the people that make all those people that you know, again, putting the master in a slightly different category of all the kind of companions who turn him down,
0: you or potential companions, or potential yeah.
1: companions you do understand that for them, that is the right decision. You know, you know, mm. for Donna and Joan and Jack and Martha, you know, I don't think with any of them do I go, you know, oh, you know, that was, you know, they made a bad choice or or, you know. You know, you're not left with that sense of, um, you know, that that was a wrong decision that they made.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, no, I mean...
1: Yeah, but uh, but yeah. that's hard because you also want people to go with the doctor and want him to not be alone either, because we've talked so much mm. about this theme well, of loneliness and, and everything, and, and Donna was the one who said, you know, you should find somebody, you shouldn't be alone, so... You know, on the one hand, you understand all those decisions. on the other hand, you do understand his desire to find a companion to find someone who will go with him so
0: right right well and and I was just gonna say you get the um is it is it Joan who asked martha like what do you what do you what get do you, at like yeah, what, what do, you, do you do for him yeah. what do you do for him why does he need you yeah and and <laughs> yeah. Martha's kind of at a loss yeah. at the at the that particular moment anyway um
1: well it's it's because yeah. he's lonely, you know that was the reason she gives now the I think the right, other but the other question, the flip side of that coin is what does he do for you and I think for Martha, you know she is there to she does meaningfully alleviate his loneliness, but it in a sense only increases her loneliness, you know <laughs> because because like she says she's you know like her friend, you know, who could only ever think of that guy when he was around, and the only thing she could do in the end was to get out. That's the the choice for Martha, is by staying with the doctor, she's only ensuring her own loneliness. And Mm -hmm. in the end, all she can do about that is to go, you know, and to remove herself from the situation.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, whereas I think with Rose you had more of a sense of mutual companionship you know and mutual love and, and and i don't mean that that the doctor doesn't you know love or value martha in in his own way but not in that same you know not in that same way that that he and rose were much more you know i think they were much more on the same page
0: yeah and and I just realized I I even I misattributed that it's actually the doctor as John Smith who asks Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's you, you he says you're this doctor's companion can't you help what do you do for him what does he yeah. need you why does he need you Yeah and she says because he's lonely and then the, and yeah. then John Smith says and that's what you want me to become mm, Yeah you know this this loneliness so yeah even in the discussion about what does a companion do well. I'm with him because he's lonely and you want me to become lonely. Well, no, I'm with you. But even as John Smith, he's assuming that he would be lonely as the doctor with Martha as a companion. (laughs) Like, like it's just, it's like layers within layers of this, you know, that he, he doesn't even recognize what she, what he's saying in that
1: moment. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah.
0: And, 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 you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's sort of at the end of of the series you know at the mm-hmm. end of of the final episode there where where Martha is coming to realize that yes in fact this this is it this is I can't go on and continue to actually mean nothing which I don't think she does mean nothing to the doctor it's just it's one of those things where unless she leaves he'll never understand what she means you know what yeah, I mean like it's yeah. it's one of those sort of paradoxical things yeah that- or
1: what or what he what she means to him is not the same thing as what she wants to mean to him in a way that right, it right, would be, right. it, I think she does him a world of good, but it's not what she wants out of the relationship. You know, it wouldn't ever be satisfying for her, you know, right. and, and maybe ultimately not for the doctor either, you know,
0: which is a far cry from when, you know, in the first, uh, in, in Smith and Jones, when, you know she's like i'm not in the least bit interested yeah <laughs> i know <laughs> anyway you which see, i don't you think, think we in ever retrospect, really
1: you can see how much truth there was to that statement but yeah
0: well and i was going to say even at the time i don't think we took that as 100 yeah, yeah 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 <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah she, so... she does
1: protest a little too much but yeah
0: yeah uh, but yeah so there's definitely it seems like this this whole series is you know sort of Focusing around this point of, you know, we talked about with uh, Blank, you know, and Sally sort of coming Mm -hmm. to that conclusion and all of the people sort of who go get sent back in time finding their happy ending or whatever you want to call that, or at least their contentment in life, even if it wasn't always happy. Yeah. Um, This you know there's a number of spots i think where we're prompted you know throughout this series then to to say what about the doctor and and what about you know if if there's these other people who who are at least sort of moving forward and attempting to find the things that make them happy how does he do that in the absence of rose because that's yeah. that absence is clearly still affecting us or at least mm-hmm. every time she comes up it's affecting martha yes um, yeah. you know what i mean like you know, but we see it we see it through multiple comments. We see it, you know, in his Journal of Impossible Things mm-hmm. where he's sketching Rose, but Martha's not even mentioned at all. You yeah. know, we see it um in the conversation with Jack that Martha overhears uh, you know, when when she sees sort of the Doctor and Jack on the video monitor there in in um Utopia. So, you know, there's there's just like these number of things where we're where I think we're sort of prompted to look at like where does where does the doctor go to sort of get his, you know, moving on and 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 it's funny because until this series, like for the first two, mm-hmm. it was more about moving on from the time war. It was more about yeah. the post post traumatic stress of that, and yeah. now it's it's okay. I found someone who could help me move on, but then she yeah. was unable to keep you know, to stay with me. So now how do I move on from that? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like it. it's.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because it's almost like there's been a transfer of some sort, because I feel like in this, in this season, with the help of Martha and everything, he has been more settled about, you know, not that the time war isn't still, like you said, something that continues to haunt him, but we've seen him repeatedly talk about it more openly, that it is something he's, moving in his stages of grief further towards well, like, acceptance, you know.
0: And when, and when we see him talking about Gallifrey just as yeah. a place and a place that he remembers and and, yeah. and with the master coming back, of course, you get more memories about being young yeah. on Gallifrey yeah. and sort of what it meant to, to start the training that would lead to him becoming a time lord and, and that right. sort of thing. Right, but um, then
1: that, that kind of bottled up grief isn't maybe it got transferred over to the loss of Rose. Now that's the thing, which is, you know, continuing to sort of haunt him and maybe go unacknowledged, you know, that it's not something he's, you know, as he's opening up more about the time war, like you said, we're not, we haven't really got an answer yet to how to deal with the loss of Rose now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that continues, like you said, to be kind of the elephant in the room, you know.
0: Yeah. So. Well, anyway, so um, we've got maybe about 10 <sighs> more minutes left um, beyond sort of the doctor and Martha. Yeah. Uh, who who else uh, do we? Well, OK, so speaking of elephant or the face in the room, <laughs> um, we should probably talk about jack and face of bow maybe a little okay i don't i I don't know because like i feel like i don't know that there's
1: a ton more to say than what we've said yeah
0: yeah i I sort of forced us to talk about him a lot the only
1: question i had was i remember you saying when you watched torchwood season Mm -hmm. one that he seemed a little different so my question and i speculated that that might be a difference of tone between torchwood and doctor who as opposed to, I mean, not that there's not elements of character development, but that that might be part of it. So I guess my question is, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, yeah. do you, and especially now, yeah. I, I believe you've seen Torchwood season two as well. So I have. you have even more information to add to it.
0: I have. I watched like all of Torchwood season two in like two days after, <laughs> after the final episodes of, uh, yeah. of Dr. Who series three. So, um, no, that's a really good question. Cause you're right. I did say that. And I think I, I, I'm going to pick the middle way. Okay. It's right? a bit right? of the, both. The, yeah. The, 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 the Wea media, the, uh, um, it is a bit of both. Cause I, the show is definitely a different tone, Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, one of the things is that, like, I definitely think they're a little more playful about Jack's dying all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he dies in, like, every episode. In, at in least Torchwood? At least once. In Torchwood, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, Jack died again. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, you know, a minute later, he's back up. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like, I think that's become more of, like, a running joke uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, but I think... I think there is definitely some character differences that actually lighten up uh, season two. Um, some of that I think is because it, he is not quite pining for the doctor and in the way he's that he not was, sort yeah. of,
1: yeah.
0: Bru- uh, yeah. And really not at all because he's made his decision. Yeah. And I think, I actually think that they did a really good job of, of sort of continuing that explanation, um, onto uh into Torchwood to sort of say, you know, now he's here. And there is that, like for the first episode or two when he comes back and his team is pissed off at him. Right. And and and, you know, where were you? You abandoned us and whatever. And and he has to say, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And I came back because I realized that this is where I need to be. And you know, I think that's good. I think I think they kind of brought it around to good. Now I mean I don't think I'm ever going to like Torchwood as much as I like Doctor Who having said that but I do think that mm-hmm. just from a sort of tone perspective and whatever like it definitely lightened up a bit the 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 there is more sort of blood and death and yeah. and it's a darker show yeah. um and has a different focus um you know but I do think that that from Jack's character specifically um and he still has questions he doesn't know you know exactly how this whole immortality thing works Mm -hmm. and of course his team is still uh you know mortal so like there's probably you know other things that he's gonna have to deal with with that and and there i don't know i mean we're not doing torchwood so like there's there's a member of his team who dies Mm -hmm. and they resurrect him and Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff and it it becomes a weird sort of thing there um and then the final episode is really kind of and uh, like more people die and i was gonna say it's like the opposite it's, of the empty yeah. child
1: everybody dies
0: <laughs> yeah so like yeah not everybody, not everybody but like but almost you know um, including jack i think multiple times so yeah um
1: yeah. Jack you, you know so vacation. so
0: there's definitely yeah more blood and whatever uh martha makes appearance in in a couple of episodes back to back and so it's it's you know um, I actually, I think I mentioned that I actually like her character even a little bit more. Cause like at that point she's like a doctor, like a true medical doctor mm-hmm. and, and like in a solid relationship and, you know, like, yeah. you know, very, very much, but, but it also does seem to sort of brighten up Jack's character to see her as well. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's, there's just more, um, more to it, I think. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I liked it. it. It, you know, it continues the story. I'll. I'm sure I'll probably watch season three of Torchwood when I'm allowed to. <laughs> um, you know, don't want to, I don't know if there's any other like real crossovers. Oh, and of course, Torchwood season two has James Marsters. It in does. It.
1: That's a huge and, crossover, yeah.
0: And and yeah, big crossover uh, Spike, of course, from from Buffy. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I, I think I knew he was going to be in... Inst- uh, season two, um, and and like as a guest star and and sort of a you know in a couple episodes which he is, but like, wasn't exactly prepared that like him and Jack were going to be like former lovers, yeah. you know. And
1: is it it a little a little eye twisting to see Jack and Spike making out like all the time? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, It was it was a little weird, a little funny though. Um, and and no, I mean I I like James Marser, so yeah. I mean I'm not gonna be disappointed anything there and i think um obviously he's not a vampire but you know has that same sort of like carefree uh nihilistic causing chaos attitude (laughs) that we see in spike so um so some fun stuff in that too so didn't mean to talk about torchwood for that long (laughs) but i think um
1: no i think
0: the the one main thing oh sorry this sorry this was like the one main thing that i didn't mention in the last eight minutes that i've been talking about it um (laughs) So we talked about, you know, Jack and face of Beau, um, and him being from the Beauchain Peninsula, uh-huh. which they which they point out right um, yeah, right there. One of the one of the things that um, sort of haunts Jack throughout the season two of Torchwood is uh, the the losing of his brother.
1: Right, right. And um, don't isn't there a flashback? And, and to, so th- to there Beauchene?
0: are <laughs> a number of flashbacks yeah. to Beauchain Peninsula. So and and again, I don't think we ever. Like I think we said he was either human or like mostly human, like maybe there had been some intermixing along the way, but like humanoid definitely, yeah. and like you know probably largely human, so there's no like the beau Shanians, the Bo kind, uh-huh. I don't know what they would be called, <laughs> but um point. they're you know they're basically human, yeah, but, you know yeah. it seems to be and 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 so there's no real expectation, like they're not a bunch of like floating heads and canisters. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Like we might expect from face of o. So that doesn't really answer any questions. But it does at least give a little bit more uh, fodder, I guess, to sort of work with with, you know, regard to his background and, and um yeah. referencing, you know, where he came from and, and all of that. So anyway, for what it's worth, I don't know that you can do anything with it. Just Yeah. It, it does at least sort of reinforce that point. It's not like that part of it, that he's from the Beauchesne Peninsula, certainly ends up not being a throwaway. Mm, um, yeah. You know, uh, because they do explore it a number of times with, with Jack's background in Torchwood. So yeah. Anyway. Uh,
1: um, well, yeah, don't, don't, I won't say who or when or what context, but you know, they're, they're, it's still some crossing over to be done. I mean, you've already seen Martha cross over, you know, into Torchwood mm-hmm. and everything. So, um, don't watch season three quite yet because
0: yeah, no, bit, I wasn't planning a bit out. more to
1: come before that, but, um,
0: well, cool. yeah. cool. well, um, anyway. Um, so I guess sort of maybe, you know, where we go from here, I know we've got, uh, another christmas special coming up yeah um and and i assume there'll be some repercussions um to to now the doctor being truly the last of his kind mm. um and, although... uh, oh i
1: did i I wanted to point this out when we talked about last of the time lords and i think i forgot that uh the, the the title the lack of the definite article there was deliberate that you're meant to have that question going into the episode, last of the Time Lords, as opposed to the last. So you're supposed to be wondering, is there a chance to salvage, you know, through the Master? You know, if the Master is this sort of evil as he may be, some sort of proxy for, you know, the Doctor's ability to save, you know, mm. the, the last of his people, and no, basically, is he dies. So the Doctor is truly the last you know and that's mm. sort of confirmed at the end of the episode so um yes there will continue to be repercussions and you know which makes
0: sense i yeah. mean you, how could you not yeah <laughs> have repercussions? especially as we just sort of were talking about the the first two series were focused on mm-hmm. an event that we didn't even see yeah so like now this is you know not only did he destroy his whole race but when he does find that there's one more left of his kind, he is not only psycho, but he can't even save him, you yeah know, so yeah uh, anyway uh very, very interesting, and I guess we'll uh we'll we'll have to see what happens in series four and beyond
1: yeah, well, before we wrap up really quick, I do want to mm-hmm. talk about time crash
0: um oh, time crash, yes, of course. Because Talk. it's <laughs>
1: I I think it's kind of important. So we're gonna link to it. If anybody hasn't seen it, go watch it. It's the the most joyful ten minutes I think of anything I've ever written. It's pretty it's, fun. It's so much fun. But I think there besides the fact that it's just a riot the whole way through, I think there are a couple interesting Points, You know, which the, the main one to me is that it's our first example in New Who of a multi-doctor story. Um, mm. So I don't know whether you knew such things existed or if you know, if you've well, heard anything about them, you know, or if, if, if I, people out there are watching this for the first time.
0: Yeah. And, and I was just going to say, I mean, I'm aware yeah. that recently <laughs> there were multi-doctor this, stories. This may not be Uh-oh. the last
1: multi-doctor <laughs> story.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did not see this coming Mm -hmm. uh this 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 short story as a as as being a multi-doctor so that was a complete surprise to me um and and sort of the way they insert it between um like second one and second two (laughs) of 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 the um end of seriously so like so we get right at the end of last of the time lords you know martha has rejected him he's going on his way And suddenly he crashes into the Titanic. Uh Like, you know, it comes crashing through the the TARDIS wall or whatever. Um, And it happens, like, in the briefest of moments right before that crash occurs. Um, And you get the explanation for even why something is uh, able to crash.
1: Right, uh, because he's rebuilding it. After the paradox machine, so he has the shields down or something. Yeah, he has his
0: shields down.
1: Yeah, so it actually, before it crashes into the Titanic, it crashes into an earlier version of itself. And they get Mm -hmm. stuck in this little paradoxical... And it's very, like, blank, like, where time loops back around on itself. And he only gets out of it because a previous version of him is there to witness the later version of him doing whatever it is that gets them out of it. So there's that Mm -hmm. kind of circular you know, right. chicken and egg kind of scenario. But, um, uh, so, th- this is specifically the fifth Doctor, Peter Davison, who was the Doctor from 1981 to 84. Um, and at the time he was cast, he was the youngest Doctor ever. Um, okay. He was 29 when he started playing it. Um, so, which, a record which he held for a number of years, which was eventually beaten um, by Matt Smith. So we'll talk Mm. about that a little bit later. But, um, uh, so, you know, they make a little joke about the fact that because they're in the same time together, some technobabble means that he looks older than he really (laughs) should be. And, and they, there's lots of fun jokes about being, not being able to quite close his coat and losing his hair and all these things. Um, but, um, I think it's interesting that Stephen Moffat said he thought that, Peter Davison would be a good doctor to do this sort of story with because he thought of him as almost a precursor to the modern doctors because he was the youngest at the time. So he was the first one to really be this sort of young, energetic, dashing around, you know, kind of, you know, not strictly an action hero, but more of the kind of youthful energy that the modern doctors tend to have. You know, it was a break from... The more um, older or middle-aged and more professorial types. Um, so he kind of thought that that would be a good doctor to sort of contrast to the actual modern doctor. Um, and and then especially sweet is that you know for you can tell in the writing and the acting both you know Moffat and David Tennant. Peter Davison was one of the ones that they were watched when they were kids. So, okay. you know, that whole little homage and love letter at the end, you know, that, yeah, you know, ending with you were my doctor and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of both of them in that little speech um, sure. about... I, I just love that line about I when I was young, I tried to be old and grumpy and important, like you do when you're young. And then I was <laughs> you. So, you, you know, that little speech to him is very personal, I think to the people that were involved in it. Yeah. Cool. So I don't know whether that's kind of, I mean, besides the fact that I just think it's fun, those are the things I wanted to take away from it for us going forward. I'm not sure whether there was anything else about it that you noticed or were, you know, interested in or surprised by or anything.
0: No, I mean, I just, I didn't really even know anything about it. So I just, was kind of enjoyed it. I only watched it once. So maybe if I watched it again, I would have more to say. <laughs> so my apologies there. Uh, no excuse. I just, it was only like 10 minutes long. I could have totally watched it again. Oh but, well. Um, I, I mean,
1: it's not, it's not, you know, gonna become yeah, a pl- major plot point or anything, but um.
0: no, I mean, so obviously it's like you said, we sort of get the techno babble about as to why the TARDISes are able to crash into each other and and all of that. And, and we get, you know, I have to think back to like warnings about, um, you know, crossing your own timeline, like we get in, um, father's day, Mm -hmm. say, for example, elsewhere too. But that's just sort of the first one that pops to mind because it has that sort of loop, you know, factor and, and things gone wrong into it. But, um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's fun. I didn't, I've not watched any classic who, so Mm -hmm. I didn't, know who the doctor was specifically or mm-hmm. or whatever but you i mean even not having known that that line you were my doctor we've talked about the phrase yeah. my doctor yeah, yeah. um being sort of a a significant one from a fan perspective um you know definitely definitely saw that that was a uh, you know, that that seemed to be a, a a reference from the writers to the the sort of meta moment that you get um so that's that's cool um the celery <laughs> i assume that that was part of that the was classic part of his, doctor i think he, i think
1: it was like it apparently has like i don't know who came up with the celery or why why they did but they there was something like if he got poisoned he could eat the celery and it had like anti-toxins in it or something but okay. but they get you get them kind of that affectionate, and that's really what multi-doctor stories tend to do, is you get a lot of affectionate poking of fun at each other, you know, about, uh-huh. yeah, you yeah. know, the crickety cricket, this the stick of celery, and, you know, but not many men can pull off a decorative vegetable, all that, like, <laughs> that's what they tend to do, is poke fun at each other, um, right, you know, and, right. and he gives as good as he gets, you know, because he calls him a skinny idiot and tells him to shut up, so, like, sure, you know, they... Sure they kind of go back and forth that way, but um, you know,
0: yeah, no. So it it was fun. It seemed, I mean, definitely had that sort of nostalgic feel, yeah, um, yeah. you know, intentioned there. Um, I'll be interested definitely to see if, and when we come up on other multi-doctor doctor stories, like how, how that sort of plays out, um, especially given those warnings that we've already gotten mm-hmm. in, in the seasons we've watched so far about you know, crossing your own timeline and, and the effects that that can have. Mm -hmm. Um, we got another reference to wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's always fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I have anything significant to say. It seemed, seemed good. It, I like that they sort of, again, sort of slipped it into like the interstice Mm -hmm. there between, you, you know, two things. Um, unlike, um, I think in in previous ones it's it's more like, you know, there might be a short. Um, I'm thinking about like between series one and series two, we get the short where you kind of see the TARDIS crashing into London and and kind of right, you it know, was more like the effects of yeah. of yeah. of the um, regeneration and and that sort of thing. Like it, yeah, it like seemed to have more of a bearing on the actual story. This wasn't story so much as like character, you know, development and yeah and reminder even i guess for those who were familiar with um the former doctor mm-hmm. so the fifth doctor so yeah no seemed like seemed like a lot of fun um and then once again everything before he could put the shields up yeah he crashes, he into crashes Titanic, in the Titanic. like yeah. and then you realize oh okay so this was totally yeah yeah just that briefest of moments yeah, kind yeah. of thing
1: well and that'll um, that'll take us that's what everybody should go watch next is voyage of the damned the 2007 christmas special so
0: yeah and yeah we'll be we'll be back to talk about that one uh next time so talk to you then